for today. Oh. Okay. Well. I was using it just fine with Skype a while ago with Aaron. And hmm. so now. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I could restart it, but we don't have time. That's okay. You're not on camera either. I, yeah. <laughs> Soon will be. Soon come. All right, stand by. <clears throat> Good morning. Good folks. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Aaron's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Good morning, Blake. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, Aaron is back on today, but she, uh, she, but she's Skyping from home. So uh, she has, uh, she revealed that uh, one of her little kids uh, has, uh, has a coronavirus, so oh. she's uh, staying home and being a mom and kind of, you know, taking precautions to keep it out of the studio. So yeah. wow. I guess the school where her son goes is just uh, kind of rampant right now. So, mm -hmm. well, I think that's island wide, to be honest, with over six thousand. Yeah, but we were talking like when when uh, when Gigi had it, you you were able to to not get it. So. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'm still um, a bit surprised by that. But, you know, not only did I lateral flow test, but I, out of an abundance of, of caution, I also um, went and did a PCR test and mm -hmm. yeah, I didn't get it. Um, yeah. I, I did one of the things I think probably made a difference because, of course, I had to you know sleep with her. But get a lot of fresh air in. Like I literally opened windows that had never been opened in this house before. Right. <laughs> so... <clears throat> That definitely makes a difference because it is airborne. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I opened sliding doors, windows, like the breeze was just blowing through. Um, and then I, I guess, you know, maybe my immune system is decent and the boost I already was, uh, well, at that point I wasn't boosted, but I already had been double vaccinated. Um, and there still is good research to show that, you know, um, being fully vaccinated and boosted isn't necessarily going to stop every person from getting it, but it still reduces your chances. So <clears throat> even a reduction is- And a reduction in the effects as well. Oh, most most definitely, most definitely. By the way, I have to apologize. I don't, I don't know why my camera's not working uh, right now, uh, but you can hear my voice just fine. Oh yeah, we can hear you just fine. I am, I am fully clothed in the studio, so <laughs> it's not like I'm hiding something today. I just, I don't know, just Mercury's in retrograde. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Technology, you love it, but you know, sometimes it doesn't play ball. Let's talk about so, your head. This morning in news, Cardinal Avenue is going to become a pedestrian walkway. Um, people are feeling kind of different about this idea. Some people don't love it. <laughs> so, so, so that means you can't drive down Cardinal Avenue any longer? That's correct. So they are actually going to... Um, Man, every time you uh, that that street gets blocked off for like a fair or something, the traffic's terrible. I know, I know, and you know, I think why people don't love the idea is people are kind of like, well, where are we going to park? Because I tell you what, they they already started the process. They put some pavers in and stuff, some walk-in pedestrian pavers, and uh, you know, they got a lot of flack because they were too high and too awkward. 
for one, vehicles do have to cross over them. They're scraping the bottom of your vehicle. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, um, they took away parking spots in order to accommodate for that. So we lost a few parking spots. And listen, if you're like me and you have to go to court quite often to cover court news or whatever, it is hard to find parking. Mm-hmm. It's a real precious commodity in central Georgetown. So, um, so, so what point? So, what about the 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 circle around the courthouse? So, uh, if Cardinal Avenue is blocked, and you're going uh, south, uh, like up up towards Cardinal Avenue from the courthouse, is that what do you do when you get to the end? Uh, you're going to have to find an alternative route. <laughs> so basically um, what they've said is that they, they've given instructions on how it's going to work. Um, but essentially you can do, there'll be no general vehicular traffic access to Cardinal Avenue from Seafarer's Way. Okay. So you have to reroute from, to Mary Street. So Mary Street now is going to get busier. Mm-hmm. Fort Street and Goring Avenue. Wow. Um, so you can get to... And so what's the reason for this? Um, <laughs> I guess the Georgetown Revitalization Initiative manager, I don't know if there's a whole team that's making this decision, thought that this was a way to... Um, Make Georgetown better to enhance the experience of visitors, they say. So for all the stores that are on Cardinal Avenue that got a lot of uh, vehicle traffic and and seeing, uh, you know, all their, you know, uh, what's in their store windows and things like that, they're not going to have that any longer. So who's going to walk down there? Yeah. I don't know. Um, They they have this idea this is going to be a good thing and that it's going to um, make, uh, make things better for for everyone um and a much better experience they say um so we'll we'll see who's in charge over there you should get him on the show uh, mr colin lumsden okay (laughs) and you can please email him don't email cmr (laughs) (laughs) colin let's chat yeah they do have a uh, georgetown revitalization page um, I, I kind of wondered if they had reached out to the public for any sort of comment on any of these, but, you know, they have a whole, um, team of things happening to make that experience. They're going to be putting in new storm sewers, um, new water mains, trees, concrete pavers. It's a whole thing that's going to take about five months. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. Well, they already had to redo the concrete pavers. Oh yeah. These are, these are different now. These are, yeah. <laughs> The things are not going as planned. <laughs> I know. In other news, um, the COVID-19 uh, schedule, vaccination schedule is out. So there is a new schedule that is available that takes us essentially into the month of February. And included in that schedule um, is the vaccine clinic for the vulnerable um, children uh, 5 to 11. So again, if your children are 5 to 11, they have anything like a chronic respiratory disease, heart condition, um, anything to do with their liver, kidney failure, uh, neurological disease such as Down syndrome, um, endocrine disorders, immunosuppressant um, issues, and others, you should contact uh, public health department because they will administer at this time the COVID-19 vaccine to vulnerable high-risk children 
ages five to 11. And they do have a dedicated time um, for children. So the uh, they wanted everyone to know, and I think you mentioned this the other day as to why the vaccine isn't fully available yet. Um, Dr. Newton explained that there were two reasons. And one is that it really takes um, the right type of uh, you know person to administer this vaccine. Mm-hmm. And so they have um, public health nurses with extensive experience in the immunization of children who will be um, actually doing this. So it's not gonna be just any nurse. It'll be those they say that have um, experience immunizing children, which as you know, I'm sure you've been to appointments with maybe um, your son and you've seen how difficult it is to watch as a parent, watch them get anything medically done that, you know, makes them cry or anything, but absolutely, especially, especially needles, especially needles. Yeah. Um, he, he did not like the shots as a baby for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think any baby does. Yeah. Um, so the HSA has been uh, working on a few projects. You know, they, they um, had a whole um, facility opened up the lobotomy um, lab and so forth um, at Smith road center. Uh, a couple days ago, so that was. You just say lobotomy lab. Lobotomy. Lobotomy. No. F- <laughs> what did I say? Did I say lobotomy? Yeah. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that seems a little prehistoric. No, this is um, the pharmacy and blood work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Laboratory, not lobotomy. Yeah, labs. Yeah. Lobotomy is when they. Uh, well, you know what it means. They they go in and they uh, you know they. They open up your brain and do and some weird play, things to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> wow. HSA, man. I know. They're back in time with their lobotomy. Lobotomy lab. <laughs> they're, making, they're making some real improvements. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know some people that I would I would probably like to send there. Oh, my goodness. I'd like to see who that is. <laughs> All right. Uh no, phlebotomy. <laughs> Got it. So, um, yes. So anyway, uh, they also now have um, the ability to produce medical grade oxygen. So this is actually a very good thing for anyone who, um, you know, know that you may need it uh, if you're a COVID patient. Mm-hmm. So um, they have the machinery and the, the facility now to be able to do, they say, up to 2,100 pounds per day, which is 500 liters per minute of medical grade oxygen. And this is going to save the HSA money, um, about $150,000 per annum. So this is a good thing. And, um, you know, the equipment that they have, uh, they shared some photos of the equipment. And so some 20% of patients who are treated for symptoms related to COVID-19 will actually require oxygen therapy to prevent respiratory failure. So now the HSA has their own um, capacity to actually generate this oxygen generator. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. Congratulations to the HSA. Well, cool. And, and on their lobotomy lab. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they've, they've got a lot, lots of great things going on over there at the HSA. And um, yes. Well, cool. And then just, let's just do a quick uh, court update. So there mm-hmm. are a number of uh, cases that are being watched. Uh, there is a court of appeal case that everybody's keeping their eyes on in the legal profession. And that's some guys who, um, I don't know how long, you might've been here. I don't know when they went got sent away, but 
Um, so there are two brothers actually that are serving time in UK prisons and they're arguing for um, the right to be returned, all sorts of legal arguments about their human rights. And, you know, they want to be able to come back to the Cayman Islands. And the authorities basically said here that they were too dangerous to be in our prisons. And in fact, that they had received um, undercover information that they were planning an armed escape. And so they have, they're, through their lawyers, they have demanded and said they have a right to know who tipped off the police <laughs> with that information. Which okay. is so yeah, <laughs> we'll be giving out those names real fast. Yeah. Um, so they are appealing. That's one of the court of uh, appeal cases that's being monitored at the moment. Mm. And then, of course, our listeners will know uh, yesterday that uh, Miss Irene Garcia was sentenced to 22 months. Um, she is the former... Um, the former travel agent, I guess. Yes, I remember. Uh, yeah, she was uh, booking flights to the Philippines and taking people's money. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, she was giving them fake um, e-tickets and itineraries. Yeah, that is that is not very nice. Yeah. And so now, now you have 22 months in jail, two years in jail. Yeah, to think exactly. about it. So she was, uh, she was taken mm -hmm. off to prison yesterday. And did did she have to pay restitution? Oh, no, I mean, the, the unusual thing here is she doesn't really have any money and um, there is a home or some property in the Philippines, which has some value. But I think the judge uh, or the magistrate rather um, recognized that the possibility of being able to sell that property and liquidate it all the way in the Philippines and then pay back victims here was probably slim to none. none. So she did not order, um, she did not issue a compensation order. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, the, so she's Filipino. Yeah, she's Filipino. So will she be deported then? I'm guessing when she's done with her prison sentence, she should be. Um, yeah. That's not a, that's not a matter for the court. A lot of people think that it's the court that orders that. It's actually um, CBC in conjunction with the prison that should arrange that at the end. Uh, of her interesting. Sentence. So she'll serve sixty percent, and then they need to make sure that yeah. she's on the um, do not invite back list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Catch CMR right now on YouTube and Facebook. Tomorrow will be the Friday show. We'll have you uh, back at 720 for some more headlines. Have a great day. Are we going to do another reveal tomorrow? Uh, we are, actually. Yes. Yay. So last Friday, we revealed a frequency, a new DMS radio station, 89.1. And Sandy uh, Sandy's program will be featured on that radio station in conjunction with what you currently do. Yes. Uh, and tomorrow we will reveal the name of the radio station at 720. Yes. Awesome. It's a big day tomorrow. It's yep. a big, big reveal. Absolutely. Have a good yeah. one. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, folks. Make sure you tune in for that. I know when we reveal the frequency on uh, Friday, a lot of you thought that um, we needed name ideas. <laughs> so this isn't the situation. There's already a name, um, but we just haven't revealed it yet. We're teasing you guys a little bit. Buenos dias, bonjour. Good morning, Marshall, Irvlin, Chantel, Larry, Maria, thank you so much. Um, Dawn, Oscar's here, happy Thursday. Diamond Princess, Olivia, Miss Moya, Miss Sue's got it locked. Hello, Kathy, with your beautiful dog. Oh, so cute. Miss Virtuous, how are you? 
Um, oh, this is a good one. She says, faith it until you make it. You know, normally people say fake it till you make it. She says, faith it. Just have faith. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Good morning. Hello, Emma. How are you? Yes. Super productive day today. Uh, Kathy, we'll talk about that um, situation in Cardinal Avenue. <laughs> yes, it would be nice if we had improved parking. Um, so before we get into the nitty gritty, let's go ahead and play our intro. We save it until after we're done with the little clip on that 106. So let's get it, folks. You're now tuned in to the cold, hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea piping hot so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via whatsapp at 324-1612 email tips at caymanmarlroad.com now here's your host sandy hill broadcasting live from the beautiful cayman islands
All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm actually sitting down today. I decided to sit. I feel like I need to adjust the seat though. It doesn't really adjust, but um, I don't know. I feel like I need to sit down today. <clears throat> Different energy levels. <sighs> when you don't eat breakfast, these are some of the problems. I feel like I need to be a little bit more centered as well. Hold on, folks. Let me fix my little chair. I'll scooch, scooch my gooch as we say in this household, scooch over. All right, um, it would be nice if I could sit like this. I feel like I need a little cushion. Need a little bit more height when I sit down. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> thank you guys so much for tuning in. So we do have a lot to cover. Do I, I feel really short. I mean, I'm up high, but I feel like my head positioning isn't quite right. Uh, let me have a look. And on Facebook and see what it looks like because my, my screen is different so I do see some things a little bit differently than you guys let me see uh, yes I do think I need a little bit more of a higher um eh, I guess it's okay it'd be okay a little bit higher all right so um I guess let's talk about Cardinal Avenue for a minute so they've got big plans, uh, folks, for Cardinal Avenue to be um, pedestrianized is the word. And uh, eh, how do I feel about this? Eh, I kind of feel like it's not something that's going to be welcomed by many people, but maybe in time we will enjoy it. You know, this is where I'd like to encourage government um, agencies to have more of a dialogue with the people that their decisions impact. So yes, it's fantastic that you guys are going to be doing this whole revitalization project for Georgetown. I think that was a vision of the past government. And this government is like, you know what? They're not going to stop the vision. They're not going to undo everything that's been done. So I guess the revitalization committee <clears throat> continues to make their strides. Um, yeah, just not really feeling it personally. But, uh, you know, again, one of the things that we lose with all of these projects is a, an already cramped area will literally have uh, no parking. So they're going to do away with even more parking. And listen, if you've ever been to jury duty, you would know how much of a priority um, parking is. It's a real commodity in Georgetown. And the few businesses that have, I'll show you what, what is, this is a rendering of it. The few businesses that have um, you know, access to parking uh, they hold on to it with their life. So they will tell you, uh, no, you can't park in our spots. They get very, very defensive about uh, people accessing their parking lots. Now, I know this because, like I said, I have to fight for parking all the time. Um, for example, the library, they have put up a, um, a gate in their parking lot so that at least they have, I guess, parking reserved for staff. So you cannot park um, at the public library easily. Um, they have also, um, you know, 
restricted, like, you know, the coffee shop, you guys know my favorite spot in the morning to go to is the Blue Lane Cafe. And they have a few spots, but they, again, are very, very coveted. You know, so when I say they're coveted, folks, I mean they are coveted. And right next to them is a real estate company. I, f- I forget what the name of it is. I think they do real estate. And so um, in terms of um, of them, you know, this the second you um, park in one of their spots, they're coming over to the coffee shop to say, hey, who is in our parking spot? And sometimes it's actually not anyone (laughs) that's in the coffee shop, but they assume that it is. And they start doing an investigation. Who's in our parking spot? Are you driving a a black whatever car? And they're looking for you. Uh So um, I can tell you that, you know, it, it is it is a it is very very challenging to. Let me see. It is very very challenging to actually um, to find parking. And so the other day when they were doing the whole um, oh the initial steps, I guess, of this by adding the pavers. So they're going to do pavers throughout Georgetown. They've already put in three. We lost parking spots because of those pavers. And I thought to myself, uh, here we go. Seriously. So I, a lot of people figured at that time, the reason why we're losing parking spots And the reason why they're putting these pavers in is because they are going to pedestrianize it. We kind of saw that coming, but I don't recall anybody telling us that. Does anybody recall that? Because there's a lot of discussion when we posted the video, demonstrated how um, vehicles are scraping on that little paver. A lot of you were kind of like, oh yeah, here comes the let's make it a pedestrian situation. And so that's exactly what they're doing. But, you know, wouldn't it be great to have a little bit of conversation with people beforehand, give us a little bit of notice now that the project has begun and it's going to cause havoc in town because not only, I mean, this looks, it looks really nice in this rendering, I must say, right? But not only they're going to have to tear up and put sewage and do this and do that, they've got NRA on board, they've got all sorts of agencies, they've got a project lead um, who's going to be doing this stuff. But let us remember that um, in addition to that, that means that you're going to have a lot of construction going on right in the middle of central town. Well, one good thing is at least there are no tourists here, I suppose. Um, so I guess that's a good thing. You know, we, uh, we don't have to contend with that. But the locals who have to still work in that area, who still have to, you know, um, try to find parking, jury duty and all this kind of stuff, all of you will be subjected to the noise and the construction and the, you know, tearing up the streets and all this kind of stuff, Um, commercial uh, construction equipment in and out of the neighborhood. So 
Eh, I don't know. I feel like I need to stand up. Like I, this, the height of this just isn't quite right. Um, I would love to sit, but it's just not. Uh, it's not working out for me today. So yeah. So all I can tell you is, uh, folks, this is going to be interesting <laughs> to say the least. Um, it's already a done deal. So I don't even know what good talking about it does at this point. We're just talking to hear ourselves talk, really, because um, they don't even care. <laughs> you know, some somebody needs to have uh, communication 101 with all government agencies and departments where they learn a thing or two about how to get an um, stakeholder, because we're stakeholders in this, because we, we're the ones who it's going to impact and we're the ones who are going to lose the parking spots and we're the ones who have to use it, how to get stakeholder engagement and buy-in to these things that you guys are working on and that you're doing. You know, it would be fantastic if you actually cared enough to have um, some dialogue beforehand and not just a special committee of individuals uh, deciding what Georgetown should look like. Because ultimately, they're not the ones who have to use it. Let me be very, very frank and honest with you. Okay, they're not the individuals who are out there every single day trying to find parking and circling around central Georgetown five times to find one little parking spot. <laughs> you know, they're not the ones who go behind the library and like scouting out parking spots. Uh, they're not praying that, oh, somebody will open up a spot at the coffee shop. And technically, you're not going to the coffee shop. So you're kind of, you know, I always, I always go there anyway to get a little bite to eat. Um, but I know that they're giving me a little bit of a bligh because I'm there all the time, couple at least a couple times a week. So I'll be back there again today because I'm watching a very interesting case, another child molestation case. Um, I don't want to say too much about it. It is a jury trial. And of course, his lawyer, the second I walk in the courtroom, they're always like, <gasps> Sandy's here. Please issue her warning. It's a child. I'm like, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> Um, so as the trial is progressing, I'm actually not going to say anything about it at all. And once it's over and hopefully he's been convicted, then we can name names and we can talk about it. Um, keeping in mind that I will not disclose anything that will identify who, uh, the victim is, right? So this dude looks very, very interesting, I must say. Um, so I'll be there again today, if I can find parking, uh, listening to this case and watching with bated breath. Um, you know, everybody who's associated with the courts, the lawyers, and everybody know how I feel about these types of cases. So sometimes even if I miss it on the list, they're like, Miss Sandy, did you not see what's happening in courtroom one? And I say, oh, and I go in courtroom one, I see what's going on. Um, so Jared is joining us. Linda says, decide, announce, defend. Um, yeah, that's, that's the motto. That's how they do it. Right. Here's a suggestion, Linda. Um, discuss then dot, dot, dot. That's all I'm saying. Open dialogue. Is it too much to ask people to come on and talk about what's happening in government, what you guys are doing on our behalf. It's supposed to be benefiting us. I don't know. James is joining us from Canada. Good morning to Perla. Uh, John Jana, good morning, watching from the Philippines. Now, I know you're interested in our discussion here, which we're going to be talking about in a minute, which is an update on Irene Garcia. So, uh, Senor Jared, 
Buenos Hello, buenos dias, uh, senora. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, doing pretty good. He had to go back in his Spanish vocabulary to pull out that word. Yeah, I had, to, I had to pause and, and actually I remember. See, I can see your brain thinking. Senorita. <laughs> yeah. No, senora. Senora. Yeah. So, um, how are you? How are things? Well, You're back thanks. home in Cayman. Welcome home. I Listen. I am so glad to be back. You don't even know. Like when I was on the flight, which I won't say which one it was, that got delayed last mm -hmm. week. I was a bit ticked off. But, you know, now that I am back, I am in good spirits. I've been getting my vitamin D. And, you know, I've been um, bucking up in some friends that you naturally see on a small island at the yeah. end of the day. So um, speaking fun. of traveling, uh, Jared, um, you know, right now we've got 80 people. Hopefully they'll make it this evening if all goes well into the Cayman Islands. They're stuck in the Bahamas okay. after British Airways went in and um, said that the maintenance guy, which I'm, I don't, I'm assuming the maintenance man lives in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. So apparently he checks the plane and everything. And I'm thinking they only have one maintenance guy, but whatever. He's the engineer um, for that plane and he has COVID. And so I guess he was unable to fulfill his duties on Tuesday. So the BA flight booked it out of there, went back to London, and they're going to go back today to pick those people up, I suppose, if all goes well. Yeah. Uh, so 80 people were have been stuck in the Bahamas for a couple of days. Yeah. Now, um, you know, we got a phone call from one lady, one passenger who was really, really upset. And she's like, this is just ridiculous. And nobody's talking to us. And you know, um, what happens when um, you travel now? Do you not have an expectation of you're probably going to get stuck somewhere because of Omicron or Delta or something? Um, in addition to all the other travel woes that you had before the, um, you know, before COVID-19. So is there an expectation that you're going to get anywhere in time? Uh, yeah, for me, I still expect to get on time simpler because airlines have been doing this for quite a while. They've been doing, by that I mean, they've been flying planes for quite a while. <laughs> COVID, COVID and Omicron are just th things that are there. So you have to get, you know, a PCR or lateral flow test, depending on the jurisdiction that you're going. Yeah. Do, do I, do I expect there will be a delay? Yes. The thing is, you know, in this business world, Masande, time is money. A delay, one hour delay could mean you miss a meeting in the UK or something like that. So there is consideration that has to be given when mm -hmm. flying, as in my case, my flight um, got delayed because of a, um, a mechanical thing because it was mm -hmm. in Toronto. And so we had to First of all, we got on the plane, meaning they had to check passports, check the travel mm -hmm. certificate. They had to check your test. And we all had to come off that plane, go back in. To, and then we had to go on the other plane next door and then go back and see the passport, see the travel certificate, see the, yeah. So it was a lot, but this it, is it, travel. This is travel. This, this reminds me of post 9-11. After 9-11, travel stopped being fun a long time ago. And 9-11 was the nail in the coffin for me personally. It was like, oh, I got to do a body scan. I got to, I'm a germaphobe and I have to take off my shoes and a pass in the airport full of germs. That's like one of the germiest places. Like I literally try to get out of an airport as quickly as possible. Because when I think about all the people that are there from all over the world and all the contagions they're carrying, I'm just like, please, Lord, let me get out of here. Like literally when I get to Miami, 
um, between getting off the flight and all the smog and the underground thing at the airport, my sinuses almost immediately tell me that I'm in a toxic environment and they just don't like it. You know what's um, funny? And like it's when I was traveling though, right? So Yeah, when I was traveling through YVR, which is um, Vancouver International Airport, because I had to come from west to east and then east to south. Um, I had my hand sanitizer with me all the time. I had this this mask that was tight. When I say was tight, you know, nothing could get through. I was yeah. almost every point, anything that I was touching, like almost every five minutes, I was sanitizing because you just don't know. Mm. You just don't know. Yeah, it's rough. But listen, we're here to talk about this Georgetown revitalization project. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so let me just, um, I know that the, um, oh, what do they call it? They, they have a PR team that sends out their press releases and stuff like that. And so those, uh, they sent multiple press releases. I think maybe they had the wrong rendering or something at first. And then they're like, oh, hold off on that. So I remember getting about three messages from them yesterday um, where they wanted us to hold off on using a particular image because they needed to get back to us. So let me just make sure that I've actually pulled up the right one this morning because like I said, it, it seems good. like a good idea with the revitalization. I hope it's a go green effort for locals to start walking more and and you know Is this really about that though? Is well, this about well, is this about locals getting more exercise? Well, you know, with the with the government, you know, their their mandate is to um make the basic essentials accessible um, to people. I think what would need to be questioned is, you know, can the public access courts? You know, yes, you're making the Cardinal Avenue pedestrianized, but, courts, like but you have you have the library there, you have courts, yeah. you have the courts, you have the legislative assembly, um, you have the other court building, which is, so it, are they really making it accessible for the general public? Mm. Well, that's that's a million dollar question. So let's have a look at what they're planning and doing. We do have a map here. Um, and I don't think this was a um agenda that was pushed through by th this was a project that had been started. I think two yeah. two administrations I mean, ago. I think yeah, the Pat government did this. And let me just say, um, for the sake of clarity, I'm a firm believer in not reinventing the wheel. So every single time a government gets in, I don't think that they need to be stopping every single project and you know, reevaluating every single thing. Now, there could be some projects that are a complete waste of time, resources, and everything else that probably do need to be revisited. But at this stage, this Georgetown Revitalization Committee, and I think they even um, have a town manager and all this kind of stuff, has been in the works for um, a number of years. So, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, um, maybe the plans of what is to come needs to be looked at. They've had a couple street vendor, like where they close down, especially in the evenings, uh, weekends and stuff, they'll close down George, central Georgetown and they'll invite people to come out. They've had like a street food, um, I don't know what they called it, fair or whatever. Where people it's like a local market. And, yeah, and enjoy street food from all over the you know, the world, I guess, in different locations and restaurants could put their food. And I thought that was a good idea. I've actually not been to one of them. Um, they didn't particularly market them well because I always heard about them after the fact. Yeah. It was like, oh, did you hear about the thing last night? And I'm like, what, what venue are they using? What avenues 
are they using, not Cardinal Avenue, but what sure. avenues are they using to actually market this? Because I never know anything about it until after it's done. And every time I'm like, wow, I would love to go, but yeah, it's a little bit late now. So anyway, that's a whole other thing in terms of marketing. But, um, you know, I'm trying to still understand what the vision is. I get that Georgetown is very, very dead after five o'clock, after 5.30, when everybody leaves town, you know, all the, there's only one or two places to eat in central town anyway, but they're there for the business traffic during the day. So the coffee yeah. shops, yeah. Um, even Burger King, you know, Burger King doesn't stay open. Uh, they're not open right now because I think a bulk of their traffic is tourists, but they also don't stay open past probably five, five thirty in the evenings because I, I have something to say to that because you know, when, when I came home, I went for a jog, um, almost every day. And when I ran through Georgetown, it was nice and peaceful. I don't mm -hmm. think we need to be New York or we need to be Vancouver or even be Toronto. There's nothing wrong with the city just being quiet because when I came home, it was quiet. I mean, I, I, I wasn't hearing no sirens. I wasn't hearing no honk honk going on. Um, I think that is a good thing. I, I don't know why we're trying to go with this industrial attitude and then realize because if we do that 50 years down the line, it's just going to be congested. People are going to be frustrated. And I don't think it morally is going to be that exciting. Right. You know, mm -hmm. that's what I think in my personal opinion, but the mm -hmm. government I know has always been, been wooed by tourists and numbers, but they have to be careful at the expense that they're going to put themselves at by always having, a city that is always ongoing because you need to make sure that your support services are being upped, being increased, whether that's fire, health, um, police. So if we are barely surviving and struggling to grapple with what we have right now, I don't see how you want to upgrade and try to create a city that always is bustling when there's so many issues that we have in terms well, let of- me, Let me tell you what I think is happening. Um... You know, I think that number one, um, the mass exodus from Georgetown has been driven really by the creation of Caymana Bay. So Caymana Bay was built and that became a little miniature town center and living space of its own. And so that meant everything from tree lighting events shifted from Georgetown to Caymana Bay. I mean, they have an event that no one else really can realistically compete with. Um, uh, there was the, the boat parade. Remember when they used to have the boat parade um, in town? That's mm -hmm. now at Caymana Bay for Christmas. So I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of, there's been a, a shift in a movement, even in terms Into of the um, available uh, real estate and office rentals. A lot of people yeah. have moved out of central Georgetown and they have Into now um, moved into, you know, Caymana Bay. Eastern Bay districts. Road. So, yeah, in, in some, uh, that's West. Oh, West, sorry. In, in, yeah, in some respects, um, it may not have been a bad thing because I think mm -hmm. it helped to decongest uh, what Georgetown. Yeah, in Georgetown. Georgetown was congested, right. heavily congested. But then you had um, this mass exodus of um, movement in the evening hours. But, you know, I, I had to think about this. Um, because I moved back to Cayman in 1996, mm -hmm. it was like the fall of 96. 
And I worked for a law firm right on the waterfront, but it was always the same thing because a lot of times I'd be leaving work like eight, nine o'clock at night and town was a ghost town. There's a few restaurants that kind of encourage a little bit of traffic. So do you remember where um, Casanova's used to be? Yeah. And that was like right on the waterfront, like a little bit further, further central town. Um, And so that would encourage people to be in that area. But do you also remember Morgan Steakhouse? Yes, I do. Morgan Steakhouse went in. You know, mm-hmm. if you weren't going to Morgan Steakhouse, town was just like dead. Dead, like that yeah. That time of night, it was dead. You um, know, with, with that thing, all they need to do, if they want to create traffic or whatever, if come on a bigger Christmas tree, who said Georgetown can't have a Christmas tree on a day in December or each district? Because you see the thing with Sunday, whilst I did come up with that idea, you know what I realized with, with, with certain things? You're going to have money. Now, I know Commander Bay certain has always... Things, uh, Jared. Everything. You need money. Class, everything. Um, most things require money. So, yeah. Yeah. So, what I was saying, if the government is trying to really, you know, create traffic, you have to base it around cultural events. Because usually, when Pirates Week end, that's when everything kind of dips off. Meaning, that's when people leave the island. Nobody really staying around. But if they focus on saying, okay, we're going to have a Christmas tree lighting. Um, let's say Georgetown start in December or whatever, or let's say if you want to keep it going, you have cultural events it, it, probably each week. That how you. So you see the thing is, and I say there ain't no innovative people in government, but you see when people are more, and I will be, I, I know I'm coming off a bit accusatory, when people are more encumbered with, and that's a fancy word, when people are more focused on bureaucratic processes, Mm. this is where things get lost because you have a ministry of culture asking ministry of culture said why don't we run some events consistently throughout the year for each district so that one you keep youngins out of out of out of problems i know high school after high school programs really do that but if you had districts each week or each month focus on a cultural event to say let's let talk about how, how the older folks used to do things, you know? Mm. It would keep people in, in that area. But, you know, sir, I am not the minister, nor am I the chief officer. So whatever they think they're doing working, they think it working. So yeah, that just, I can't, I can't help them with that. So they're well, going like to figure that out. I'd like to a little bit um, more engagement um, in the process. So let's have a look at the map, folks. Um, let me see. Let me just pull up the map here so you guys can see exactly how this is going to impact all of our lives. Um, Just give me one second. Okay, so this is what we're looking at here, folks. Uh, So this is it. Access to Cardinal Avenue from January the 31st. So again, not very much notice. Um, I, I really would appreciate a bit more of a conversation. This went out yesterday to the media. Yesterday was Wednesday. So less than a week, they're saying, okay, this is how it's going to work. This is a five-month project that they're going to be undertaking, but they're going to close off access um, starting next week. Now, what if you were a company, folks, um, you know, living, at, not living, but working in Georgetown, and um, you now have to make some considerations for your staff 
This is the sort of project that I cannot help but wonder, did they walk around Georgetown and get any sort of feedback um, from the organizations in town, from the people that work in town, from anybody? Who did this revitalization committee even talk to? I don't know because they haven't said any of that publicly and it does make me curious and it, it has my mind wondering how this all came about. Um, so here we are making a rather significant decision in relation to the revitalization of Georgetown, changing uh, a road, making it just foot traffic only. So Cardinal Avenue, in case you don't know where Cardinal Avenue is, is the one that runs almost into the post office. So it's the one that has a lot of the Kirk um, Freeport stores. So it has the jewelry stores, uh, like the main entrance to those, perfumeries and that sort of thing. So I, I suppose on the one hand, if, if they were gonna make any street in Georgetown, um, a pedestrian street, I suppose this one in some ways is logical because most of what's on there um, is shopping, although there are some offices that you have to access upstairs, but their parking is on the back end of um, Cardinal Avenue. What is that street called? You know where the um, the KFC and stuff is? What is that street? Oh, I can't remember. But anyway. Oh, yeah, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. Is that, that, is that Shedden Road? Is that part of Shedden Road? It could be. It could be. Because it, it's it's it comes from like the subway direction and comes down. Yeah, it looked like it might be. Yeah, that could be Shedden. Yeah, that could be Shedden Road uh, based on this map. So there's parking. There's buildings on the back end of that. I think FedEx has a location there, or they used to anyway. And there's some retail stores and stuff there as well. So um, the other logical question when I see this happening is what else is going to be pedestrianized are we yeah looking and at, okay, what's the substitute one yeah because like whenever they pedestrian pedestrianize a road you have to create a substitute because there will be a buildup in traffic and i don't know if there's any well nra whoever what is the substitute for this road because there's going to be an increase in traffic wherever you you take away one road it's going to increase traffic on on all these streets here. So I'm not saying it's a bad idea. You need to say what what's the substitute? Was there a consultative process as there is supposed to be? And you know, did anybody show up to the meetings? What was the feedback? Because whilst this has been a project planned since 2020 or whenever, we only heard, oh, revitalization plan, revitalization, whatever that word is, revitalization but no really talks on it. And I do remember the former minister, um, Honorable Joey Hugh at the time saying, you know, revitalization, we want to revitalize Georgetown, but there was not any specifics on it. And so that can be a bit, I wouldn't say misleading. It mm -hmm. just, it just didn't say much. It just sounded like words, like a, you know, popular word just being said, we try to revitalize Georgetown. So what is the what is the end goal of revitalizing Georgetown? Is it to make it more industrious? Is it to provide and highlight more well, modern culture? Said, um, they have said in this instance to make it the terminology that they're using is um, 
you know, to make it a better user experience to enhance. This is what mm -hmm. they said. The goal of the Georgetown Revitalization Initiative is to create opportunities for increased activity by locals and tourists and our capital by developing public open spaces adjacent to businesses that enhance the experience for visitors. But okay. did they ask the visitors if this was going to enhance their experience? The visitors don't that's, live there. The that's visitors. my only question is who, who did they consult about this? Um, mm. that, I don't, well, okay. I, I'll tell you one problem here. One problem, I hope they know when parades are going on, which we have, which we have pretty much every other month, depending on how they revitalize this road, parades would probably no longer be able to use this road to march on because you know we had heroes day right parades usually use this road which is um what road that is cardinal avenue i think yeah um to do marches on or to get to the heroes to hero square um, i don't so know if I, they use cardinal avenue actually because normally they're doing it on in hero square now and they're either using in front of the legislative assembly um, but, but the parades march down court. from police station. So the, that road there, because I see some directional thing going, whatever, but the parades usually march from police station, Georgetown police station, all the way down to wherever um, they have it, whether that's um, Heroes Day, um, Remembrance Day. I don't think they march. I don't think they actually march that distance. You know, they show up in cars and they park and then, then they just do oh. their march for the location. Yeah, I don't think they're marching all the way from there, to be honest. Okay. Um, but yeah, this is, this is very, very interesting. So let's read um, some of your comments. So this is what it is, folks. Car Cardinal Avenue is going to be as part of the Georgetown revitalization committee, um, be, uh, pedestrianized. So pedestrian traffic only, um, someone has said, um, that I should speak to them. They can't talk right now after the show. They said, I can give you a rundown of the BS, um, so-and-so who's in charge of the revitalization is doing in town, but makes it makes no, no sense. Sad part is we have so many other examples to follow that work better, but as usual, CIG employees are putting the cart before the horse and refusing to take input or advice from industry professionals. And they say some people are completely intoxicated with their position. And uh, so this conversation needs to happen. Well, uh, FOI can be sent in if they if they feeling very, what's the word? Um, I don't know not. what FOI is going to do, but here's another comment. They have said, let's close the roads and remove the few parking spaces um, that are still available. All right. Well, let's see your comments, folks. Um, let me just pull this down. So uh, good morning, Miss Debbie. Good morning, Miss Sue. Uh, Carol says... Did they study the impact on traffic during rush hour that this will have? And now Kirks, et cetera, can't do drive up collections, which have worked well during COVID. People order online and pick up rather than going inside the shops. Mm -hmm. Oh, Miss Carol makes a very good point that I hadn't even thought about because to be honest, I haven't been ordering anything from any of those stores during the lockdown, but that is an interesting point. Yeah, it don't make um, sense. Hmm. I'd be curious to know how the businesses in the area um, feel about this, quite frankly. Um, huh. Interesting. So um, let's see who else has an opinion. 
Wee Wee says, give me back my old loving K-Man. Uh, Nona says, businesses and events moved away from Georgetown to Camaraderie mainly because of available parking. That is so true. And now you're having a revitalization project that will actually be removing parking. There'll be less parking. Janetta says, I don't understand why this is a priority and newborns can't get their hearing test done due to lack of equipment. But anyways, like you said, Sandy, it doesn't make sense to talk. Oh, it makes sense to talk because people are listening, believe it or not. So I'm not so sure I've said that. Um, and if I have, let me be very clear. We don't talk here just to hear our own breath or see it on the screen. We talk because we know people listen. And somebody is listening out there today who's probably thinking, um, Um, someone is probably thinking that, um, you know, if the people are not going to be happy with this change, um, maybe we need to have a real think about this and see what else can be done. Yeah. So, um, this is bizarre. Okay. Sorry. I've just seen a message from because the other suggestion that I have, Miss Sandy, is that you know those um electronic things that you put in the ground that like can come up after like when you touch a certain button, it kind of like prevents traffic from going through. If they put three um what do you call those things metal bars that come out of the ground electronically mm -hmm. on Cardinal Avenue after certain hours, that's a quick fix. I don't know how much that costs, but I'm sure it will be less of an inconvenience just pedestrianizing the whole of that or when tourists come in you you raise it up kind of thing right because we usually know when tourists are coming in and we can say okay guys be aware that around um what you call it 11 a.m to about 3 p.m cardinal avenue will be inaccessible because the bars are up you know what i mean because mm -hmm. if because i because they haven't said what the road going to look like when they're going to put pear bush in the road or pear trees and whatever we don't know what no, they're looking like. I mean, they have the photo there um of what the revitalization will look like so just give me one second i'm going to pull it back up again um so that we can see that so essentially they're putting the boulders in so that no traffic can actually go through and then they're going to add trees they're saying that they're redoing plumbing they're redoing sewage and some of that stuff <clears throat> sounds fantastic because i imagine you know, it probably needs, those things need to be done anyway. So whilst they're repaving and doing the surface stuff, they're going to go underneath and make some, uh, I'm sure, much needed improvements, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, just give me one second here. We're going to have a look again at, um, at this for the benefit of our viewers. So again, folks, uh, I do want to make it very, very clear that I think that, um, you know, I I'm hoping somebody's paying attention, like someone's actually listening to the people. We just had someone who said, well, they don't listen to the experts. We're not saying that um, uh, we're experts by any stretch of the imagination. But what we are saying is that we are users and we're not quite sure how this is going to enhance 
the user experience. So there it is, um, folks. This is what it's going to look like. Now, um, Janetta, your comment concerns me significantly. And so I don't understand why we don't have hearing tests being done because of lack of equipment. As you guys know, um, you know, I had a daughter who um, was a NICU patient and had to be there for an entire month. And I was always very, very thankful for the NICU staff in particular, but also the maternity staff who do a fabulous job. And I was not aware, I mean, certainly five years ago, they had the equipment necessary to test uh, babies um, for, you know, because one of, one of the first tests that they do in babies is to make sure that they're hearing okay, because obviously if they're not, um, you can have some difficulties raising a child with that disability and not know it. And trust me, you want to know if a child can hear you or not, because you'd be yelling down the place and it's not the child's fault um, why they're not paying attention to you. So um, that that is a concern. So I'm going to immediately reach out to the HSA to see what that is all about. You know, there are times that I hear things, folks, about our medical services that is concerning, that makes me pause. So for example, uh, more recently, I did hear that um, the morgue is operating at half capacity because a freezer has been broken from months and months and months and months. And it seems like nobody knows how to fix this freezer. Now, I don't know why that would be. Like, I don't quite understand uh, why a freezer would be um, in such disrepair for such an exorbitant amount of time, especially given that uh, during COVID times, you know, we might have a few people who die because of COVID and other illnesses that, uh, yeah, they got to go in the freezer. So um, when they go in the freezer and you're, I mean, listen, I can't remember the exact numbers now, but it's not like we have a big morgue, right? Yeah. But, but say we have um, eight freezers in the morgue. Now we're down to 50% capacity. That's only four. You could see how it doesn't take a whole lot to fill up four. And they're the only, um, from what I understand, sort of, you know, hospital that has that facility. So all the bodies will go there um, before then moving on to the funeral homes. So that's a grave concern. I don't know if that situation has yet been fixed. Perhaps someone can message me and tell me if that has been resolved. Uh, these are the sorts of things that make us look like we're playing with amateur hour. So when people say, you know, oh, yes, um, this is this is what what it is. Uh, I, I'm concerned that we are um, not operating at an optimal level at all. And that's not a good thing. We, we have to um, give HSA some grace, Ms. Sander, because, it, well... I want to um, give them a lot of grace. I don't want in, people in, to think I don't. No, in terms of, because, you know, for young people, I, I'm coming from the standpoint where, you know, don't just go after a career for money which you know nothing wrong with that but you know i think the government needs to start looking at you know really promoting certain jobs in the health sector because covid has really hammered the health sector in terms of you know not enough nurses not enough lpns you have my you know not enough microbiologists um you know in in the sense of I don't know if people know this, but HSA is primarily the only one that is managing all the testing, 
right? And that's for 60,000 people. So if 60,000 people come down with COVID, HSA is the only one that's going to be able to do it because that's unfortunately, is that's their mandate. And if we don't have enough registered nurse, LPNs, um, support healthcare workers, we could see ourselves coming back into a situation like this. Now, with the, the morgue situation, you could have somebody who usually fix it, but they, they're COVID. And because the, the tests keep showing up positive, they can't go in. So the thing is, if the government would strategically look at what jobs would be needed in the next five to 10 years and start telling their work department or scholarship agency to say, okay, let's try get applications for these jobs. Maybe we would not be seeing this, this issue, but you know, young people, we need to start, you know, being more collaborative in the jobs that we're going into. Not all of us can be lawyers. You can't have 60,000 people lawyers. We, we need to start changing. You, you get what I'm saying? Because mm. HSA is really dealing with a lot right now. And so is the health ministry. So I just want to, you know, let them know, yes, keep up well, the good job. And take, yeah, but, I mean, listen, I'm the first to give praise where praise is earned. And, and they're doing a good job. They're doing a good and, job. And um, I think constructive comments shouldn't be taken any other way. Yeah. All right. Um, stand by, Jared. I'm going to pull yeah. you out for a second uh, just to get, get caught up on a few comments. So, um Ms. Brenda says parades have always started at CPS to the LA. So CPS being Central Police Station, um, Courthouse, now Hero Square, no vehicular traffic. Um, good morning, Mr. Blair, preparing for freezing weekend in Orlando. Wow, Orlando is dipping down to 30 degrees on Sunday. Yikes. Um, Linda says there was a transport study as part of the cruise port EIA, section 16 and 17 discuss it. Um, and she's provided a link for that. All right. Um, uh, Linda, just out of curiosity, not having time right now to probably click on that link and read that in full. Does the link, does that study, that transport study suggest pedestrianizing any portion of Georgetown? I think the biggest issue is it's not about the pedestrianizing at all. It's that now you're creating traffic flow issues and you're changing traffic flow issues and you're changing potential congestion in other ways. And you are taking away some spots. Uh, Carol makes mention of even now disenfranchising people who have had to um, make product, uh, you know, um, curbside pickup during the pandemic, et cetera. How will it impact those types of things? And was there any sort of discussion with the um the current stakeholders about this so patrick says parking is way too unlimited or limited i think you might say limited already uh businesses themselves have security at their business protecting their parking spaces yes this is true because even on the back end of cardinal avenue like that Bur burger king parking spot um burger king isn't there right now but the parking spots have been commandeered um, there's a salon in there. There is a pharmacy in that building. And um, before when clamping was permitted, remember when they used to clamp us all? And then they did away with that law. Um, you would get clamped if you parked there. Now they have a guard sitting there and the courthouse has actually taken over a number of those spots for themselves. So courthouse staff 
have a difficult time even finding parking because the courthouse essentially occupies uh, three buildings right in that area. So they're in the main courthouse building. They also occupy Kirk House across the street, which is how many stories is that? That's a five story building, I believe, four or five stories, right? And now they're in the old um, Scotia building as well. They're occupying, uh, I think, most of that building for some additional administrative staff. So none of those buildings have a whole lot of parking. So they have acquired parking, I guess, from, from the Kernels um, in the Burger King parking lot. And so you go there and it's like, oh, coned off, reserved for court office staff. There's, there's not even, this is shocking to me, right? That you expect people to show up for jury duty. Listen to this. It's mandatory. Once you get called for jury duty that you show up. And if you don't show up, they can issue a warrant for your arrest. Like you can get in big trouble if you're ignoring your jury duty notices. Now, I find it peculiar that there's not even a single spot designated for jury duty. When I saw the court office acquiring these other spots in that, that parking lot that I'm talking about where Burger King is, I thought to myself, why not have even two spots for jury duty? Most jurors, um, juries are, uh, what is it, six or seven people if they have an alternate or whatever, depending on the type of case, and there's no parking for them. They'd be circling and trying to find parking and, oh, you better get there in time and you got to kind of come back from lunch. And, and it's like, there's nothing, no consideration for them at all. And uh, there's definitely no consideration for media, child. They don't care about us. So we can crotch wherever we want. Like I said, the new um, pedestrian um, paved crosswalks actually took away several parking spots for where each one of those are located. Every time they dig up Hero Square, which I'm really sick and tired of them digging up Hero Square and redoing it, because uh, this is about four or five times now in just about as many years, um, they always, the construction around Hero Square means that we always lose six spots automatically. The jewelry stores on the side going down, is that Fort Street? Let me try to remember now. I always confuse my streets in Georgetown. So Cardinal Avenue, yeah, going down Fort Street, there's a couple businesses and stuff in there. And I'm telling you, they don't want you parking by them. They've got those uh, quartered off. Remember the little coffee shop that used to be right there, Cafe Del Sol? Uh, you couldn't find parking to even go to the coffee shop. So parking is a premium in this building. Believe me, you in this building, in this entire um, area. You know, there's the public library, public transport buses uh, congest that area. That's another thing. Are they planning on moving those buses? I mean, there's so many questions I feel that people have about the revitalization process that I'm going to extend an open invitation. Anybody knows anyone on the revitalization committee? By all means, tell them, please, the people would love to hear from them about how all of this is going to work. We have questions. We have feedback. Ms. Moya says, if you can't find the local community in the town area now um, after hours, what makes them think that we'll be interested to go there after they put up all this fancy adornment um, down with no parking? Watch, it will be a ghost town after 5 p.m. in 2023. Well, it's already a ghost town. Um, and without any improvements in other areas, um, Jared just said public transport, I agree. How effective is this going to be? How many of you are going to um, be inclined to walk around town at night 
to do what exactly? The stores themselves close down at a certain time. Are we going to be having evening hours? Um, I'm just messaging someone with a local business to see in that area. All right. Well, um, Miss Brenda says that Georgetown needs to be utilized as a tourist attraction with tour guides, creating jobs at the same time, hopefully giving an accurate account of her history. You know, speaking of that, Miss Brenda, someone said to me the other day, and this is really, really quite interesting. Um, someone said to me that our history is being rewritten. Let me see if I can find this message. Um, give me one second. This was actually on Heroes Day, and they said, wow, it's amazing how our history is being rewritten, and we are not even paying attention. So this is what, and this is an elder in our community. He should know. And he said, uh, da, 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 da. hold on, let me just find it. Right, so he says, history is being rewritten here every day. And um, they say, read the national honors, the memorial, the Georgetown Lighthouse to seamen and Caymanians who, lost, who were lost at sea and in wars was dedicated by the NCSS slash NCVO not Susie Bergstrom. And I think during the actual um, celebrations, the Heroes Day celebrations on Monday, the statement was made, I guess, um, that's why they made this comment, that it was Susie Bergstrom. And so I, I don't personally know anything about that monument, but this person would. <laughs> you know, they are definitely an elder in this community. And when they said that, I thought to myself, ooh, really? H how are we preserving not just history, but the accuracy, this is the comment, the accuracy of our history. That is a whole other kettle of tea right there, boy. Um, and this elderly person said, yes, we are re history is being rewritten here every day. And this is concerning. Mm -mm -mm. It's like only recently I realized who started the garden club and um, you know, that was Don Seymour's mommy who started the Orchid Club and the Garden Club and this and that. And then other people somehow end up getting the credit for these things. And if you don't know, then you don't know. Um, so Miss Brenda says uh, retail businesses need to implement flexible work hours to especially be different and later than the banks and law firms. Well, this has always been uh, Miss Brenda in my mind, um, one of those things that is really, really ticklish. Like I've never understood. Um, yeah. I have never understood um, why retail businesses feel like they should have the exact same, um, you know, business hours, nine to five as uh as everybody else like when would you be able to shop it's only at christmas time that they decide to extend their hours ever so so slightly you might get half an hour more if you're lucky another hour uh so miss brenda i think it's peculiar i don't i'm not really sure why why you know everything has to be done on your lunch break and you get one hour for lunch and then half of the time is spent in traffic trying to fight traffic good morning uh richard how are you 
Are you enjoying your Christmas present? By the way, I haven't heard from you about it. So I do wonder, Miss Brenda, did you get yours all set up? Jared, have you set up your Christmas present yet? Um, Larry, 19 degrees, going out to sunny 31 in New York. Uh, Anne says the HSA, um, needs to outsource testing to other hospitals and clinics. Mm. Huh. Um, Ms. Brennan says people choose what professional road they want where there are deficiencies and incentives need to be introduced. There certainly get key minus to fill these jobs. We're not talking about the literal road anymore. Are we? Okay, give me one second here. Let me... Um... All right, so we do have a few businesses in town who are willing to um, come and have a chat with us about the revitalization project, by the way. I think that this is fantastic. Um, we can definitely, um, da, 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 da. we can definitely hear their perspective on all of this because they will be impacted um, certainly more than most of us will be. Um, so let's see what they have to say. Yes. Okay. Give me one second here, folks. Send anyway. Um, da, 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 da. Um. Okay, so okay. Mm -hmm. All right, clearly says. Okay, very good. All right, let's keep it moving here, folks. Miss um, Brenda says, I agree with you 100% there, Sandy. I've just been saying that for years. Damien, good morning. They needed to build four or six story parking by the tower building. By the way, let's, let's back up here. Um, thank you, Damien, for reminding me about the tower building. Um, because I'm a bit curious as to what is happening with that location what's the revitalization plan because uh you know something needs to be pumped into that what is the revitalization plan for um for tower building the old government you know all of that is on the outskirts of central central town but those things matter there are two locations right there that we can actually get some decent parking out of 
uh, and then encourage people to walk from there. It's not much of a walk from the old glass house building to court. I mean, I wouldn't mind walking that distance for sure. That's good little exercise. Although according to the security guard at the court office, she's like, girl, I don't know how you walk around this briefcase every day because this is like a gym workout for her. And I'm like, really? Is it that heavy? She's like, yes. Uh, but you know what? People get adjusted to these things, right? Tower building. What are we doing with the tower building? The building is no longer there. I mean, it's an empty parking lot. But we could put up, as Damon is saying, a five-story uh, parking facility. Could we not? I used to go in that building because, you know, the law school used to be in that building back in the late 90s when I started. When I went to law school, I think my entire, I think the entire time we were in that building. Uh, Linda says there was the advisory study up to the government of the day to determine whether to take on board the findings and recommendations. And the study evaluates the plan presented by government to them. So it might show some of what the changes in Georgetown might be if they're continuing the land-based portion of the project. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, I think that um, it's clear that we need to delve into this a little bit. Um, thank you, Linda, for sharing that document uh, with us. And uh, we need to maybe have a look at that transportation plan and see what the plans are. Because right now we're looking at one singular thing which is the um, pedestrianization of Cardinal Avenue. And I think if we're looking at that in isolation and not understanding the bigger plan, the bigger scheme of things, then we definitely uh, could be misjudging the situation and we're simply not getting it. But again, this is where you communicate with people. I mean, I love that Linda, she likes to read and she's very, very research-based, but can I tell you um, that Linda is not the average person? in terms of that. The average person is not going to read these complex documents. They're going to be like, show me a picture. Show me what it's going to be. Let me see this. You know, let me see this. And um, in, in lieu of any of these things and an, an explanation that goes along with it, I think, you know, of the larger project goals and objectives, people are going to be uh, jumping to conclusions, which is maybe what we're doing here this morning because we just don't know. So yes, people will jump to conclusions and they will come up with all sorts of things. So communication, it just goes back to communication, folks. It's really not that difficult, right? You work for government, you're in charge of a project, whatever. Talk to the people. They simply want to know Wagwan. What, you know, inform us. Um, let me see here. Uh, Perla says, I think that that area where BK was, they should knock that building down and build a parking tower like Piccadilly's. But BK is still there. It's not that BK has disappeared. And by the way, that is the back end of, um, isn't that the back end of the rest of the Kernel property in the front end? So I don't think the Kernels are going to be knocking that down. Uh, they actually have spaces rented out there. Burger King, there's a salon. Um, Cellular World used to be in there, but I don't think they're there any, anymore at that location. I think they've moved to down by the wharf. Um, and there's also a pharmacy in there. So there are businesses in there. And so I don't know, you can't knock down part of the building with prob without probably impacting the rest of the building because it's all connected. So I'm not quite sure how that would work. And the other thing is too, is you can't exactly tell private landowners 
or businesses in town that, oh, you must knock down your building in order to provide public parking. Now, it might be nice if their businesses had sufficient parking as well, but I don't know. Brenda's asking if this project falls under the Ministry of Tourism. I Does, re, does a Georgetown revitalization fall under tourism? It's a good question that I do not know off the top of my head. Um, so I would say if it's transport, probably that would make logical sense. So thank you so much to, uh, Linda. I've just opened up this document. Um, I've had a little perusal here, like literally just a little scan over. And uh, let me just have a look at this and show you guys what this is. This is very useful, actually. Um, like I said, bless your little heart, Linda, for sending this to us. Uh, this is May 2015. How many years has that been? Hmm. That's been a minute. Transportation Impact and Assessment Study, Cayman Islands Cruise Birthing. Okay, so this was in relation to the Cruise Birthing Facility. At this point, did they have Cardinal Avenue as a pedestrian um, street only. So um, this is what we're looking at here. Um, mind you folks, this document is 107 pages. Now I bet that many of you are not gonna be reading a document that's 107 pages. I could be wrong. I might be underestimating your capability and your interest. But here's something. Opportunities for mitigation measures. So they do have pedestrian priority on Harbor Street and um, Fort Street. Formalized pedestrian crossings, raised intersections and pedestrian priority areas, reduced traffic volumes. Huh. So there's a whole section here talking about pedestrian safety and mobility, pedestrian levels of service. So um, this is very, very interesting, Linda. Thank you for sharing this. I think that we need to um, have a look at some of this stuff. I mean, it looks like a rather detailed report. So why not? All right, today's not the day for it. But Linda, I appreciate you sending it and we will get there. Okay, um, thank you. Perla says it's already congested. Linda, uh, Tracy says, yikes, this is a recipe for disaster. Traffic is bad enough without limiting further access. Um, like I said, they might have a bigger plan that we are simply not aware of. Um, Jar Jared says it actually falls under infrastructure and planning. So Jared, uh, we'll bring you back here. Um, so it's not, it's not tourism and transport. Uh, the, 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 no, not to my recollection. The reason why I say that is, and you see, this is what happens when, you know, communication doesn't, um, occur. Like you said, it, it falls under, um, infrastructure and planning because this is a, infrastructure situation that is going on there are aspects which um deal with such as transportation because vehicles would normally have to go through it primarily my response to it uh stop trying to be like commander bay 
highlight Caymanian culture. Talk about have have Caymanian players go on out there. You you cannot you cannot think that pedestrianizing a road is going to let people stay there. You need social activities. You need ice cream shops. You need a cinema. You need a playground. So putting a little road isn't going to suffice if you're not highlighting Caymanian culture, which tourists like, meaning they want to know what is wrecking. And I bet you most people don't know what wrecking is because that is a discussion for another day. But if you're not highlighting Caymanian culture by having players periodically in Georgetown and having social activities there, nobody not going to want to be in Georgetown. The only reason people are coming on a bay, A, parking, B, accessibility to different things. There's so many social activities that come on a bay, like ice cream, gelato. They have a play area. So the, the second thing that I have to speak to, why are we using uh, a point in the cruise birthing? I don't know if it's a cruise birthing facility report, but it seemed like that to me. Why are we promoting one point that the people generally did not want with cruise birthing? And this is my thing with PACT, people accountable, transparent. I forgot what the C was, but it is very important. When things like this happen, regardless if a previous administration proposed it, if nobody comes out and says, okay, this is what we're doing. Because what it looked like in Atamima Sande is that there was one aspect that was highlighted in the cruise burden facility, which pedestrianization is in it. I know generally people did not want the cruise birthing facility, and I don't un I don't know if the government don't understand. We did not want no aspect. So even if you're taking one one little half piece out of the cruise birthing facility and you're putting it in, we're gonna have a problem. Mm -hmm. And this is this is what it's showing. Because transport, the transport not being improved, you can't be putting in a pedestrianization if the transport not improved. We we have there's so many different facets to this one issue which causes a lot of eyebrow raising. And this is where I am probably not going to get perturbed with the PACT, but annoyed. Because you can't mean to tell me it's either the people under them knew this or the ministers and the councillors are unaware of this. Because right now, it just feels like somebody pulling the wool over currently my eyes you see what i'm saying so somebody need come out and talk if if they're not highlighting caymanian culture such as having caymanian folk singing or cayman acts like you know plays and them things there how are you going to expect to revitalize georgetown because it's not going to work mm -hmm. put in put in a street in because the only time that street going to be busy is when tourists in we mm -hmm. currently don't have any tourists. What is really going to bring people out to Georgetown is when you say, you know, come let me bring you to a play. What Nana used to talk, tell me about a child because it's the community. They, they, they seem to misunderstand. What brings people together is community. Mm -hmm. Give me story, folklore, saying, you know, what, what Aunt Julie used to do and beat her little drum and thing. And, but listen, I don't know what type of rubber needs two mounting going on, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. but it don't. I, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed, and they're not going. The PACT ain't getting no points from me with this. They they need to somebody need to come out and talk because it don't look good. I don't like it.
That's just my opinion. All right. Thank you, Jared. Um, let me just remind you as well. Some of you are messaging me and saying, is Jared your co-host? Um, Jared is a young man who's always interested in giving his opinion and uh, speaking on topics that matter to us. But folks, anybody can call into the program. Now, you know, we're going to radio soon. And when we go to radio, we will have a traditional uh, means of calling in on a phone. I'm still trying to get the phone lines and all that sort of stuff sorted out. But I do want to remind you that um, even now you can call in and it's a very, very simple uh, process to do so. You just click on a link and boom, you're on the show. Filters allowed, real information on filters allowed. Judging number one is showing the island today. Cali features, no filters allowed. Real information on filters allowed. Judging number one is showing the island today. All right, so Ms. Brenda says the project is entitled Revitalize Georgetown. I'm sure the Ministry of Tourism is involved, um, not responsible for the project. And uh, Ms. Brenda also says that cruise berthing has nothing to do with the pedestrian communities. Um, so very, very interesting uh, comments. We do have a few people who are WhatsApping us as well. And this person makes a rather interesting point. Thank you, Tracy, for your comment. Um, oh, she says, if not responsible. All right, listen to this this comment. This is super interesting, I thought. Um, and it's actually true. This person says, the old tower building site has been a multi-story, uh, should be a multi-story um, parking garage long time ago. Georgetown was never alive at night. So to call it revitalized is incorrect. Listen to Dave Martin's song, That's Cayman, even talks about Georgetown being deserted at night. The family of the two men um, the statue was made from has never been recognized. Uh, the family gave the photo of Captain Ali and his son that was printed in the National Geographic and the statue was done from the photo. No one has said or acknowledged the family for the use of the phone or photo or for their loss. I can send you the original photo from the National Geographic if you want to see what I mean. Oh, yes. Well, let's let's do that because, again... Uh, this is our history, folks, that, you know, I don't, I'm no historical expert and I don't know anything about, and I think that we need to preserve it. So we need to have, that's one of the um, things that I am really going to hyper-focus on for 2022 is to get some of these um, interviews on record of what our, what our seafaring history is all about, um, you know, what that statute is all about, how it was put there. Uh, you know, we need to be talking to people like the John Douglases of the world, the Dick Archers of the world, the Bernard Wattlers of the world, because guess what? They're not in, they're no longer spring chickens. And, um, you know, their memories might start to fail and, and so on. So while they're still, and most of them, I must say, are very, very sharp, by the way, uh, for men who are in their 80s and sometimes even 90s. But, you know, that will not last forever. So that's one of the things I'm really prioritizing in 2022 is to um, get a lot of those interviews on camera and capture those. Um, I'm hoping to be able to do one this week. But if you know of anyone that you think from a historical perspective that CMR should be interviewing, by all means, um, do let me know because I, I definitely wanna want that to happen. So I had the opportunity to conduct an interview on, um, what's the day now? Today's Thursday. On Tuesday, Monday was holiday. 
uh, with Ms. Rosa Harris over the tourism. And that we're going to push that interview through on Friday evening, so you'll be able to watch it. So please make sure that you go on the CMR page and you uh, click. We preload these, we pre-record them, and then load them up so that you're able to um, you're able to um, to actually click that you want to be reminded about the video. So her video will air on Friday. So please get a reminder um, at 8 p.m. And then we have um, this evening at 8 p.m. a video um, from the Pat government um, deputy premier about this whole bond issue and explaining what that's all about. So make sure that you click on get a reminder for that as well. So let me just show you guys. I know sometimes it's kind of tricky navigating at social media navigating Facebook and figuring all these things out. So let me just show you what you need to do. So here it is. It says that this is planned to go live at this time. All you do is click on this little one right here. This is get reminder. Yeah. And then this one, get reminder. So anytime we pre-schedule it, it tells you when it's coming on tomorrow at 8 p.m. Conversations with, and then you just click on that. Um, so it looks like quite a few people are definitely um, interested in this one. This has already reached over... 3,400 people um, because it sits there on the page. And I like to pre-alert people that these events are going to go live so that you can take the um, opportunity to do the reminder. Yes? Okay. Very good. Um, all right. So let's talk about, let's change gears a little bit here. Thank you, Miss Emma. And thank you, Miss Sue, for your comments. Um, did I just get that photo of the, um... oh, thank you for this. Um, give me one second here. By the way, the Rosa interview, I must say, was really, really good. Um, I'm going to post this up later on on Instagram and stuff as a little bit of a teaser and to remind people they can watch the full interview, but I'm going to show you a little snippet of it. And we just had this person send me the photograph that they're talking about that the statute was built off of. So have a look at this. This is amazing history. See, there it is. Um, Captain Ali Ebanks shoots the sun with his. What is that? What is that word? With his. I can't quite make out what that word is. Something as a sextant. Is that a type of camera from back in the day? Yeah, sextant, I guess that's the camera. I don't know if that's a brand camera or what that is. While Junior keeps the ship on course. Wow, look at Junior. How old is Junior? Junior looks like he's 12 years old. The helmsman starts his career young. Wow, I would say so. Um, it is an old Caymanian custom, one that produces fine seamen and generations of captains. Amazing. How young, how old do you think he was? National Geographic magazine. Do we have a copy of um, this picture that was just sent? Um, it seems like that's a bigger document. Can we have access to that? Oh my God, I love Cayman history. And you know, I feel like we don't know enough about it to be quite honest. Um, Sextant is a direction finding tool. Well, thank you, Daniel. Oh, mess with you. You must have come from Seaman Heritage, boy. Um, a sextant is a direction finding tool. I had no clue. 
I, I'm thinking it's a camera. <laughs> Ms. Brenda says, interview Dr. Steve Knightfield, Honorable Roy Bodden, Bernard Wartler, Richard Arch. So definitely Mr. Bernard and Mr. Richard, we've done before and they're on our list again. I'm hoping I can get to um, uh, Mr. Arch this week actually. And Mr. Bernard, definitely at the top of my list. Steve might feel he's in his 80s, so he needs to be at the top of the list as well. By the way, did you guys see, just as a little sus, uh, Miss Mary Lawrence, yes, thank you so much, Miss Brenda. Oh, child, I need to be writing down Miss Brenda's um, recommendations. Did you guys see um, Frank cussing out poor cousin Steve? Oh, Lord. I mean... I the more I see these things, the more I know that um, playing with a full deck is not not everybody's cup of tea. Um, but, you know, oh, geez, on peace. He was going on and on about, I don't know, I guess he called in on the show um, over there where, um, you know, Frank, Steve sometimes uh, goes on as a guest speaker or whatever. I don't know. But um, he didn't get the ego um, boosting that he requires and whatever. And so he posted this long diatribe, um, cussing poor um, Steve and how Steve doesn't, doesn't, jeez, uh, uh, some piece. This, this is what it was. Uh, he was called an extremist on the record. I was like, Jesus Christ. Oh my God, get professional help. I'm still dealing with him with my court matter. Um, Cause you guys know he, he likes to attack people that I guess he feels is some kind of threat to him and maybe makes him look less than smart because intellect is his one commodity that he thinks he can put in a genie bottle and that nobody else uh, gets to have it. I don't know, but it's just really, really bizarre how he goes after people. And at the top of his list are always family. So incredibly interesting. So you guys know that um, uh, I think I think him and Steve would be first cousins. Where are we? Whereas we are probably, um, I think we are probably maybe second or third cousins. I don't even know. But geez, I'm peace. Mm -mm -mm. I just had to shake my head when I saw this yesterday. I thought, wow, what a hot mess. Get help. That's all I can say on that. Um, not, not impressed, but anyway, thank you, Daniel, for that. Uh, Dave says that is what they navigated with. Thank you. Good morning, Miss Lily. And add Mr. Sony Clark. Who's Sony Clark? I've never heard of this person before. Oh gosh. I better brush up on some history for real. Uh, thank you, Miss Brenda. You're a wealth of information. I'm Sybil Jackson. Who's Miss Sybil again? Oh, that would be, um, is that Miss Joy's mummy? Mm. Ooh, child, keep keep sending them to me, Miss Brenda. Send me the full list, child, because I really need to reach out to these people to get the interviews um, started ASAP. All right, let me show you guys a snippet of the interview with um, Rosa, by the way. <laughs> across the board work as a matrix organization. And what that means is that everybody is empowered to each office, each demographical 
sorry, geographical location. So the United States mm -hmm. has an agency that is dedicated to our, how can we reach them in a very smart way? And this data then builds, let's think about it as layers mm -hmm. of the cake, like social media. Would they prefer to see an ad um, on their fav favorite, you know, article or help us build a media plan? Mm -hmm. How much money we're investing and we call it channels. So mm -hmm. social media can be a channel on the Cayman Islands dollar investment from DOT to produce and convert business through visitors coming. All right, folks, um, thank you to our um, our very uh, astute viewers. Everybody's paying attention. So I have just been sent what that instrument is. Here it is. I'm going to show you guys. Because, yeah, child, this is new to me, and it might be new to some of you as well. Um, and we're all willing to learn. So a sextant is an instrument for determining the angle between the horizon and a celestial body, such as the sun, the moon, um, or a star using celestial navigation to determine latitude and longitude. Wow, that looks like a complicated instrument back in the day. Um, the device consists of an arch of a circle marked off in degrees and a movable radial arm pivoted at the center of the circle. Whoa, okay. Child, now we got a, um, an iPhone <laughs> that's going to do all that for you and tell you your longitude and your latitude. Um, mm -mm. Mm, thank you. Um, absolutely amazing. All right. So we learned something new today. Well, I certainly did. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Uh, Miss Brenda, I'm going to check into that and see uh, what the options are. I appreciate it. Okay, so let's move on. Um, this will be probably the final time we'll be having this discussion um, about this young lady, um, Miss Irene. <sighs> it's, a, it's a sad ending um, to a situation you know, and I suppose that we all knew that this was coming, especially after the last hearing, when basically the judge uh, said, yeah, you're going to jail. There's Irene. What a fall from, well, I, I won't say from Grace, because I don't know exactly where she's coming from, but um, Irene was living in a fantasy world of her own creation trying to wear designer lookalike clothing. Here she has on braces. You know, it's amazing to me the things that people can afford and that they can do on the dime, on other people's dimes. You got a phone, you got a handbag in that photo if you look close enough. You know, you're enjoying a nice drink out of what looks like rum coin or somewhere on the beach. And uh, you're stealing from people. Well, yesterday the judge sent Irene to jail for 22 months. She actually got 33 months, but she got her one-third discount, which is these are the sentencing guidelines um, for, um, for stealing from four individuals, all uh, from the Philippines. And, um, you know, the Filipino community is not pleased with her. She, her lawyer actually said uh, during the um, 
during the trial or the sentencing hearing that she has been iced out of the Filipino community. And I thought to myself, well, what else do you expect? You expect that they're going to want to be your BFF when you've stolen from people in your community and you brought shame, not just to yourself, but the entire community. And you stole from people who you were supposed to be helping. Oh, I can help you book a passage to the Philippines, blah, blah, blah. Come and see me. And she was taking their money and pocketing their money. In one instance, a guy bought two tickets over $5,000. These people had to borrow money from friends and uh, family back home to be able to afford these tickets during the height of the pandemic when a lot of them were attempting to return back to the Philippines. And not only did she steal money from people, folks, but she impacted people's lives in a real way. Um, in a real way, like, you know, some of them were not able to return home. One guy had his work permit impacted as a result of her shenanigans. So her crocodile tears had no bearing on the judge yesterday, child. The judge was not impressed. She was not moved. Um, her attempts at being remorseful, um, you know, she, it, was a, it was a waterworks, even from the last hearing, crying all over the place. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please don't send me to jail, blah, blah, blah. And uh, unfortunately for her, the, the die was already cast, you know. Uh, you make certain decisions, folks. There are consequences uh, for those decisions. And, um, you know, ultimately, there was nothing at that point that she could have done. She hasn't paid the money back. One lady got a partial. Um, I'm going to show you guys the footage here of her going off to jail. So one lady got a partial uh, refund. I think she got $1,000 out of her $1,800, right? And um, most of the victims have not gotten one red penny back. Now, she claims that she's got all kind of money in the Philippines and she can afford to buy um, four or $5,000 designer handbags. Well, of course you can. When you're stealing from other people, you can afford stuff like that because it ain't your money. So you're, you're not even spending money that you steal on essentials. Uh, you're spending it on pure foolishness, um, like a handbag, when people needed that money or needed those tickets to be able to return home. Ah, uh, you know, she's harmed people in a really um, bad way, unfortunately. And those people never get that money back. Very, very sad. So um, I'm guessing her first night at... Uh, Fairbanks was comfortable enough and uh, she'll make some fast friends up there, no doubt. Um, the women's prison is relatively small, so you know, they become buddies quite quickly. Start braiding each other's hair and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, they took her away. Mm -mm. What a mess. Ay, ay, ay. Um, I don't feel sorry for her, but I feel sorry for the victims. So Miss um, Brenda says there's a lot like her. They're just not being caught. Well, you know, like I say, thieves and child molesters, they tend to, there she is, no designer clothes yesterday. Um, they tend to, um, to get away with it for a long time. Uh, before they're caught. So you got to keep an eye on people, folks. And if you own businesses and stuff, you also have to be responsible for um, ensuring that there, there she is getting into the car. You also have to be responsible for ensuring that um, 
you're keeping an eye, um, you know, on on the situation, on your company. You know, I, I always found this interesting that her employer never wanted to take any responsibility for what happened. Oh, well, she did it, has nothing to do with us, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, um, you know, I, at the same time, um, she was willing to give her a second chance by telling the court that she wants to rehire her in her janitorial business. Now, I thought this was the most peculiar thing to tell the court. I don't know why the lawyer even thought that that was a good idea or why an employer that you've stolen from, well, you've not stolen from the employer, you've stolen from the employer's clients, would then say, oh, yes, I'll give you a second chance. Um, come work in my janitorial business, which means that you'll be going into people's homes and businesses. And somehow that makes sense. And because I'm giving her, I'm fool enough to give her a second chance, the court shouldn't send her to jail. You know, the magistrate was like, why are you telling me this? This has no bearing on my decision whatsoever. Um, and, you know, ultimately, um, it, it was just stupid. The judge was just like, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. so let's hear from one of her victims. Uh, we're going to give um, a young lady a call here who was victimized by her. And by the way, um, the court is not even aware of other stuff that she had done. Um, so there were other things that she had done that the court doesn't know anything about. And if it's, it's, if it's not charged, it's not brought to the court's attention, they wouldn't know. Hello. Hi. Hello. Good. Yes. Uh, yes. How are you? Yes. Good morning. Good morning. How Hello. are you? Yes, ma'am. Yes, it's Sandy. Yes. So you were one of Irene's um, victims. Um, tell us how you feel about the outcome of the case and the fact that now she's headed to jail or she has gone to jail. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we cannot express our happiness, you know, because at last the government, you know, uh, we were given justice mm -hmm. and not only us, but all the other victims too. Mm -hmm. yeah. But we should have been more happy if, if she could pay us back, Miss Sandy, mm -hmm. you know, because that was our hard-earned money. Yes. It was, it was very sad to hear that some people had to even borrow that money in order to pay yeah. for those tickets. And she still had no consideration for that. Yeah. And it's, um, and one of the security guard, uh, Alan Flores, you know, mm -hmm. is, he, is he still, um, you know, he's paying interest still on the money that he borrowed. Wow. You know, it, yes. Until now, that's why he he sometimes he cried, you know, because he doesn't know where to get, you know. He's just paying for the interest. His salary is just enough to pay the interest sometimes, you know, because it's uh, compounded interest, I guess. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. that's the saddest part, you know. Yeah. So I don't know if if, if we could, you know, continue. Um, after if she will be deported, I mean, yeah. the Philippines, we are planning maybe to, you know, how we could, because we heard that 
she got also some land titles and condos mm -hmm. in her. Well, place. she was, um, you had mentioned before that she was actually bragging to you about the fact that she owns property in the Philippines and didn't need your money. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what mm. she told us. Mm. She wow. didn't, that she didn't need our money because she got lots of, you know, properties. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's shocking. And, and, and she was, uh, she also made mention of her designer handbag to you as though she was yeah. trying to rub it in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was telling me that was like um, the price was like, you know, almost half, um, uh, like 250000 mm -hmm. uh, Louis Vuitton bag. So she asked that. They asked back. So I'm... Um, and it looks like an okay. So you're hoping that maybe there's a way to get some sort of compensation from her um, through the process in the Philippines, maybe. Yes, yes. So is there a possibility maybe that when she will be deported here, mm -hmm. we can still, you know, run after her, mm -hmm. you know, she can, we can get back some of our uh, money that she took from us yes right yeah, we are praying that we can still get you know yes well you've seen this um certificate of land um which is proof that at some point in 2017 at least that she had um a land title in the philippines she was able to purchase property uh do you know what irene did before she got into the um into the business of trying to be an airline agent what did she do before then any idea <clears throat> well i heard she was the one who told me that she had been a travel agent in singapore before but i oh. don't know why she landed to or, or maybe she moved to cayman island because she had been there as a travel agent for 17 years that's what she told me mm. But maybe she had been doing these things before in Singapore. So yeah, well, that, that's the wrong country land. to do it in because they'll chop your hands off in Singapore. <laughs> they don't yeah. they don't exactly play around with thieves. But that's interesting because she did seem to have um, pretty good knowledge of how to abuse the system because when mm -hmm. she issued um, when she issued the e-tickets and the um, what do you call it? The e-tickets and even your itinerary. There was nothing on the face of it that made you suspicious. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So we we were so um, uh, surprised because how come there was there was an electronic ticket number that appearing in the in the itinerary that she issued to us when in fact when we googled it there was no really existing right on that date so how how did she do those all these things you know mm -hmm. and she issued she was able to issue as that itinerary ticket with that electronic ticket mm -hmm. number mm -hmm. yeah yeah so she really good in you know maybe she copy pasted i don't know how she did it yeah i mean i don't know either because apparently she even told one guy that she had refunded um his money 
and um, apparently get, sent him a screenshot of the refund only to then find out that that didn't exist either. So I have several people telling me that she actually used to work Foster's countryside in the deli. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What a hot mess. Yeah. Well, um, so it's very sad. Yeah, she might be, she used to do everything maybe because she can do it. You know, she is not even, she's even less than two years in the Cayman Island, but she got the nerves to all to do all these things. And not only as Filipinos, yeah. uh, there was one Caymanian, Miss mm -hmm. Yan, you know, the one whom she offered to hold a Halloween party, Miss Mrs. Evans mm -hmm. in West Bay. You know, so maybe she used to do everything already. She's really, she, she was already used to do all these things before. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you are scared if you are new in the, in the country, in that country that you are in, you are scared. But she, she's, it seems like she had been long in the Cayman Island. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, my dear. Well, um, thank you so much for, um, you know, just sharing your story with us and yeah. um, letting us know, you know, mm -hmm. what the position is. Um, and we're sorry that this happened to you. You know, yeah. Wow. Okay. I guess, I guess, you know, you, you won't trust people ever quite the same again, right? Yes, yes. And that's a big lesson, you know, for everyone not mm -hmm. to trust too much, not to give trust too much to, even if you are, it's your co-Filipino, I mean, your co-Filipinos, it's mm -hmm. hard to trust everyone, you know. Mm -hmm. And I must tell you that she's given the Filipino community, you know, a bad name. Um, people saying, well, uh, she's not the only one that is out there maybe doing these things. Um, would you like to perhaps, you know, issue a cautionary tale to Filipinos who come to the Cayman Islands about their behavior and how it impacts not just themselves, but everyone? Come again? Come again. No, I'm just wondering if you want to speak um, about, you know, just to other Filipino nationals who might be coming here, how important it is for them to uh, be on their best behavior because it doesn't just impact her but it impacts the reputation of an entire community. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, whenever, because we are just, you know, all the expatriates encouraging to behave well, you know, because that's not your country. You have to respect, you know, we have to respect. Mm -hmm. Because when we go to another country, you, you are carrying, you know, and not only you, but you affect all your co, um, I mean, nationality. So we have to behave well. That should mm -hmm. be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you um, so much for um, your comments. And, um, you know, she's off to jail now. She'll serve 60% of her um, 22 month sentence. And then she should be deported after that. Um, and I hope that you guys can have some means of getting your money back eventually. I hope so. Yeah, we are praying hard that we can still get, you know, our money back. Thank you very much, Miss Sandy. Thank you for your help ever since. You know, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. All right, my dear. 
my co co um complainer. Thank yes. you so much for helping us. Yes, you're most welcome. Thank you too. Okay. Okay. Have a good, have a good day. Alrighty. Good night here in the Philippines. All right, it's in the Phil it's night already. <laughs> yeah, it's already ten twenty six in the Philippines. Okay, it's so you guys are thirteen yeah. hours ahead. Thank you. Okay. okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Good. Have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, folks. So that a victim was able to eventually get back to the Philippines despite losing um, a good deal of her money. Uh, like I said, this was quite a serious situation um, because it impacted some people. And she said one guy, one security guard, because he had to borrow the money, um, he still has to pay that back. He still has that obligation, um, you know, and he is continuing to pay interest on the money that he's borrowed. And you know, this girl is off to, I wonder what happens to her because she had all these items. She claims that she has expensive handbags. Like I said, I doubt they're real, but you know, um, couldn't they liquidate some of her personal things to try and get these people uh, their money back? I don't know. Just a thought. Anyway, folks, thank you, Miss Brenda. Miss um, Brenda says people should learn to only deal with reputable businesses. If they don't pay in the beginning, they'll pay in the end. I say it again, importation of poverty. Um, and sometimes we have an importation of criminality as well, but you know, any business, uh, whether they're reputable or not could be victimized by a singular rogue employee. And this is why the business has to, they themselves have an obligation to ensure that they're hiring people who are, um, who they've done background checks on, who are honest, who they also have systems in place internally that if something is amiss, cause this went on for a period of some um, like year almost, right? 10 months or whatever. How is it that her employer didn't have a clue as to uh, what was going on? She's running global, whatever, um, you know, travel agency. Does the employer have any experience in travel agency? Does she know the systems? I mean, could she not see um, that a booking was made and then canceled? Like if you have someone who kept doing that, uh, do you not have an audit system in your travel book? Like, how would you not know? Uh, these are some of the questions that I myself had. Is it was just one of those situations where um, they had her there doing everything and nobody was keeping an eye on what was going on? As an employer, you have a responsibility. And let me be very honest with you. If these victims were really smart, they would sue her employer because there is such a thing as vicarious liability. The employer is actually responsible for the actions of her employee during the course of her work. So I'm no lawyer, but I know a thing or two about the law. She could be sued for that and they could recoup the money from the employer. Y'all opening up businesses and want to throw anybody, any and everybody in your business, um, you should be mindful and aware of the fact that there could be some legal implications for that. I'm only saying if they really wanted to recover their money, they could sue the employer. And this is almost an open and shut case. It's just like strict liability. It is what it is. Um, her employer was a lady by the name of, um, I think, Paula Brown. Um, let me see now if I can get the original story here. I'll tell you. I think that was her name. And apparently she owns a janitorial business as well as um, the travel agency. 
so um Yeah, and Miss Paula told the court that she would be willing to vouch for her even after she's done all this. She wants her rehired. She wants her to be able to get a job. And the judge was like, uh, she's going to jail. Immigration, she'll be deported. Immigration's not going to issue her work permit after this. So you could tell the judge was not really sure um, what exactly the um, employer was thinking about. It was a very unrealistic uh let me just show you guys it was a very unrealistic request at best so let me just see if i can have a look at um i'll tell you guys who has the license so the name of the company was global travel what the heck was it again um global travel consulting agency so let me see now if they're still on the list. Mm -hmm. um, big shout out, by the way, to um, schedules and board schedule of fees reports so this is where you can go and see who has a business license let's try to look for it so it's called global travel uh-huh so she no longer has a license so we'd have to go back away so this was 2000 and let's go back to last year this is 2022 uh all this is going down in 2020 20 in 2021. So let's go back to 2020. Mm -hmm. um, what is it called? Global Travel. So, yes, here it is. So um, it was Global Services International Cayman trading as Global Travel Consultant 2. I guess she has more than one. And then she had Global Services International Cayman trading as Essential Construction and Repairs. So she actually has multiple companies. And um, again, you know, I would suggest maybe there's a good hearted lawyer out there who is listening to the program who can help these people recover their money. Um, if this lady can have multiple companies, then maybe she, you know, in law, folks, this is law 101 now, you go after who has the money. Because even if you win a case and somebody doesn't have money, you're throwing good money after bad, right? So if this lady can have, um, all of these companies, uh, there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine that I can count companies that look like they're all affiliated because Global Services International Cayman Limited trading as, let me count it again, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, siete, ocho, nueve. Yes, that's nine. 
um, nine businesses, everything from merchant wholesaler, miscellaneous manufacturing, including jewelry manufacturing. So she has a um, ebony designers and fashion emporium, uh, retail license, contractor license. So building civil and um, uh, building engineering contracting janitorial. So that's the one that she wanted to rehire her in agent, including airline agent. So that was where this lady was working. And she has caring hearts and hands, uh, which is an elderly nursing care company. Mm -mm -mm. She also has global recruitment and admin services. So she has a recruitment and selection agency. And finally, another one, she apparently needed two travel agent licenses because I guess she was so busy. One called Dro one is a global travel consultant and one was a global travel consultant too. So um, different locations all over the place, Shedden Road, Seymour Drive, Eastern Avenue. So honey child um, that we were just talking to, th this, is your, this is your cash cow. This is how you get your money back. You don't wait until this girl goes back to the Philippines. You go after the employer. It's called vicarious liability. Yes. Lawyers, help out some poor people now. They're trying to get their money back. Miss um, Perla says, Paula Brown is crazy to make such a request to keep her here after what she's done to others. It is very, very peculiar. Miss Brenda says, I hope CBC drop the ball. Don't drop the ball on this one. Make it slip through the cracks or disappear. Yes, we certainly hope not. Um, I don't know what the process is. I'm curious to know. This is another one of those agencies that we'd love to have in the program. Like, how do they keep track of everybody that goes to jail and when they're going to be released to make sure that they don't come out and get a work permit all of a sudden that they're actually able to leave? Ms. Carol says, I guess she'll get a hero's welcome and her return to her homeland. Can imagine the crowd awaiting her at the airport. Ciao. Mm -mm -mm. Anyway, good folks, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning into the program. This is another edition of The Cold Hard Truth coming to 89.1 on the dial soon. And by the way, um, don't forget that tomorrow, make sure you tune in early because we're actually going to reveal the name of the station. And I think you guys are going to like it. Now, it's not my station because a lot of y'all are like, oh, congrats on your own station. I don't, I don't have a station. I'm going to have a program on the station, right? So I will have the morning show. Um, so yes, uh, this is a DMS station. The number one name in broadcasting, folks, you guys know DMS already has four stations. They're acquiring three more, not acquiring, they're starting at three more. And one of those is 89.1. And that's where I'm going to be on the dial. Biggest name in broadcasting, folks. They're the big boys. Okay. Um, have a beautiful day. It's Thursday. Go out there, hustle, work hard. I got to go to court, unfortunately, to listen to this child molester case. Y'all know be giving me a headache, but I got to get the facts and, and see what's, what's going on, right? So um, you guys have a good one and I'll see you tomorrow morning. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.